Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I'm talking with Peter DeVita about cybersecurity, more specifically, encouraging more people to sign a petition to ask our federal government to create a federal licensing body that will establish the cyber system security profession. Okay, welcome, Peter. Thank you for having me, Marge. This is really great. Okay. No, I'm very glad that we could find the time to do this. I think we're going to have a very good, very in-depth conversation. But Peter, let's start by introducing yourself and your background. Like, why are you doing this? (laughs) Well, thank you, Marge. Uh, So to start with, I'm a professional engineer with and a longtime resident of uh, Richmond Hill, I should say. I've done a lot of volunteer work uh, in the town, now city. Uh, I have a master's degree uh, from the University of Toronto, specializing in computer engineering and the environment. I also have a, a master's degree from York University, an MBA, um, major in marketing and a minor in economics, particularly energy economics. Uh, I also have a certificate in mediation and negotiation from York University. So most of my working career has been in my own computer business here in Richmond Hill, uh, doing industrial computer systems. Uh, I have lectured at Centennial College and Sheridan College, uh, and I have uh, taught and done uh, energy audits, so that's one of my main thrusts. I have uh, sat on the board of the Ontario Society for Professional Engineers uh, Energy Task Force for 10 years, where we uh, wrote several papers uh, that influenced the Minister of Energy to do various changes. One such paper, for example, was to introduce smart grid uh, for the control of our electrical power system. Uh, I have given many presentations and lectures on how engineers can help address uh, climate change. So that's one of my big uh, themes. Uh, I have been advocating about professional licensing of engineers since 1975, and, and that it leads us into the, the topic that we have, uh, we're talking about today. Uh, Canada has a, a unique licensing system uh, that uses self-governance. This is not something that uh, most nations have. Uh, so a license is about establishing exclusive rights to practice based on the competency and trustworthiness of the individual. Uh, As an early computer engineer, I had uh, asked way back when, uh, why don't I have rights to practice like like those of uh, structural engineers? And this question has persisted uh, to today, where we have over 30 new applied science and engineering practices Uh, So this list uh, is growing at an accelerating rate. 
And cyber system security is on this leading edge. So this question of what are the rights to practice keeps coming up. Uh, so a short summary of my engineering volunteer work. Uh, I have been president of the Canadian Society for Professional Engineers. I have been on the board and executive committee of Engineers Canada. Uh, I have served on professional engineers of Ontario Council for 10 years and I was elected president uh, in 2000. I also helped create the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers and sat on its board uh, for three years. <clears throat> uh, I have been uh, recognized for my extensive uh, volunteer work with the profession across Canada and received my Fellow of Engineers Canada title uh, for this. Uh, PEO has recognized me with the order of honor, highest level, that of companion. And this is restricted to a maximum of 50 uh, living people. Uh, with all of this extensive experience in the profession, I also wrote a book on the history of the Canadian engineering profession. <clears throat> so I am currently the president of Engineers for the Profession Incorporated. <clears throat> and uh, quoting our what we're about, we're a non-partisan political organization dedicated to changing legislation to improve the utilization of applied science and engineering in Canada in order that the public interest may be served and protected. So that's quite a, a mouthful. <clears throat> yeah. uh, additionally, I have also volunteered in the town in the city uh, with uh, minor sports at the Richmond Hill United Church. Uh, I have been politically active since 1971 uh, participating in every Ontario and federal election as an organizer, and I have run four times as a federal candidate. So I think that gives you a short summary of what I'm, I am about. Okay. Wow. Um, I knew you were involved, but I did not know that much. So you have a very impressive uh, CV. So uh, uh, congratulations <laughs> on that. Only thing I want to add is, um, I think listeners may say, okay, you ran federally, what party? You were part of the NDP. So I want to have people not guessing. So just to let people, full disclosure. Yes, um, I'm a are, Democrat. You're a Democrat. That's correct. Yeah, correct. So just wanted to say that. Okay. So uh, I am. I don't bring that up when we talk uh, engineers for the profession because yes. it is a nonpartisan group. We do have members of all political parties yes. as part of our organization. And that is very useful when it comes to lobbying the government yeah. uh, when you can attack them from different uh, positions. Yes. I am thinking that people in Richmond Hill may say, geez, I've seen this name, Peter DeVita. And yes, they, they have seen it on sign. So that that's really why I wanted to uh, clarify that. Yes, bring yes, that point yes, up. yes. But OK, now you've done all this work. What has prompted you? Can you elaborate on that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So as, as you can see, I have uh, well over 30 years of history in the engineering profession uh, dealing with emerging disciplines. This has been a big issue and cyber is one of the latest of these new practices. So we began our work on cyber uh, with the Emerging Disciplines Task Force at uh, Professional Engineers Ontario in 2008. 
So Professional on, uh, Engineers Ontario recognized this practice in 2010. Um, between 2015 and 2017, we worked with Bell Canada uh, to establish our first cohort of actual licensed individuals in this practice. Uh, nevertheless, the rights to practice uh, in cyber remain weak, and without such uh, rights, it's a license is pretty much meaningless. So this federal bill, C-26, actually introduces actions uh, that could be rolled into rights to practice. So we're hoping that will actually happen. So the work we did at, at uh, PEO uh, has been picked up by uh, Conestoga College, uh, who have created a four-year degree program. Uh, they've just completed their first year, so it looks like we've got something on the go. Uh, we have been working with the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity. That's a national body, uh, connecting them with the deans of engineering in Ontario to encourage uh, the creation of more of such programs. We need to have uh, a lot more people uh, educated in this field. So we've got about 15 years of prior work building up to this cyber petition. It wasn't just okay. a snap of the finger and here no, we are. It did not come out of thin air. Wow. Um, that's uh, okay. A lot to think about. Now, ha have you ever done an, an, any other petitions that you've put forward or sort of been behind? Uh, no, uh, we haven't. Uh, so e-petitions is kind of a new thing. Okay. It's the first time for us. Uh, we have a uh, an engineer general team, and one of the members of that team is a retired deputy, federal deputy minister. And he says, why don't you guys do a petition? We say, well, what's that? Mm -hmm. And so he went on to explain what it was all about. So uh, we've had some uh, experience help uh, putting this together. Okay. Yeah, it looks like it. Like I encourage everyone to uh, consider signing it, but go and look at what it's done. Like it's different. What is there is a little different than say your other petitions that you're asked to sign that, you know, for a lot of different good causes. Okay. Um, I did note that uh, Windsor MP Brian Macy, uh, his name was on the petition. Mm -hmm. You know, why him? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I believe also our own Richmond Hill MP, Majid Johari, is a, uh, who has an engineering education, um, is also supporting yes, what does. you're doing. Yeah. So why, why Brian Massey? Good question. So, so yes, Majid uh, has been very supportive. Uh, we submitted to him our proposals for a bill C-26, which is on cyber federal bill, uh, and bill C-27 part three, uh, which deals with AI, another big mm. issue these days. Uh, so he has been a great help, uh, but we decided that it would be better if we had a non-government MP uh, sponsoring a petition. Uh, the, the, the MP has to get up in the House and speak, and, and we didn't know if there would be extra constraints on a, 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 an MP who is a member of the government. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, we decided to go to someone else. And uh, Turns out that uh, uh, Majid uh, knows Brian quite well and had a lot, lot of respect for him. So I thought, okay, Brian is a, sounds like the good guy. He happens to be the technology critic, so good fit all the okay. way around. That makes sense. Okay, so I just did that. It, that 
issue uh, jumped out at me. Okay, cool. yes. let's talk a bit about cybersecurity. It's in the news all the time. I have a general sense, you know, lots of uh, movies are made about it. But uh, what <laughs> what is the situation with cybersecurity, you know, both in Canada and abroad? Because it's that that's the issue. It, go, it crosses borders. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, there there are lots of issues. So let me just say a few things then. So uh, Canada needs many more trustworthy and competent professionals in the cyber field. Uh, the CCCS, Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity, tells us there are 25,000 job openings, cyber job openings uh, that they can't fill. So uh, huge numbers. Uh, the U.S. is looking for 700,000. So it just gives you a sense of, of the numbers. Uh, huge. So Canada gets hit about a thousand times a day with cyber attacks. So most of these are benign. They don't have much impact, but some of them do, and they lead uh, to ransomware and other forms of uh, personal identity theft and, and attacks. So in all of these things, the public uh, is hurt. Uh, but if we can go back uh, in time, uh, cyber war has been happening for decades now. It's not new. Uh, it's out of the public eye, so you don't see it. Uh, Russia took down the Ukraine power grid in uh, 2015, for example, and that is a well-documented attack. All of the, uh, how they did it, the whole nine yards is all available on Wikipedia. So uh, these cyber attacks persist today. They're part of uh, Putin's war against uh, the Ukraine. Of course, the Ukraine is fighting back. Uh, there is a dark web. Most people don't know about that, but there are hackers on the dark web who are constantly attacking Russia and their infrastructure, causing confusion and misdirection of their military forces. So there's this whole other plane of war happening, uh, as well as the actual physical war. So cyber attacks can disrupt uh, communications uh, as well as cause uh, critical damage uh, to infrastructure for a power grid, for example. If you take down the power grid like the Russians did to the Ukraine, you pretty much uh, stop the economy from, from working. So all of this cyber warfare then is, is really hidden from the public. Uh, it is a, a well-known and documented fact that the Chinese uh, run a military uh, facility, a 100,000 square foot military facility dedicated to cyber espionage. Uh, and there is reasonable evidence uh, that they were a part of the collapse of Nortel uh, here in Canada due to this uh, espionage. Uh, you should know Nortel equipment was used in over 70% of the world's communication systems. So Canadian engineering dominated the world telecom industry and we let this die. Canada lost over 90,000 good paying jobs and billions of dollars in export business. So that gives you a, a, a picture of what's happening in cyber. It's a very active area. Okay. Uh, <laughs> very scary. Okay, actually. you scared us with that, but let's let's go on to this issue of regulating the cybersecurity industry. Um, can you explain what the issues are and are you proposing 
specific qualifications? Sure. Uh, yes, uh, you have this mostly correct, uh, Marge. Uh, Canada does have a unique system of uh, governing our professions, all of our professions. Uh, we use this method of uh, self-governance, and this requires uh, specific qualifications. Of course, those qualifications depend on what uh, uh, applied science and engineering you're, you're actually talking about. So the theory is that the members of the profession are in the best position to assess uh, the qualifications of a new applicant. So that's uh, why we do it the way we do. It's actually a throwback to ancient times with the guilds. If you remember, the guilds used uh, a master tradesperson who would then trade, uh, educate, and bring along an apprentice and uh, teach them the secrets of the trade. So today, of course, we're a lot more sophisticated. We have you know, university degrees involved, but the basic theory is the same. Uh, you're, you're teaching new people, uh, and a lot of that teaching has to come from experience. So a, a profession then assesses individuals for both their trustworthiness as well as their competence to practice. And I keep harping on this word trustworthy because for cyber this is incredibly important. Uh, Germany, for example, had to fire their head of cybersecurity for having ties with Russia. So the last thing you want to do is hire someone who is potentially a spy <laughs> who is supposed to be protecting ca uh, Canada from cyber attack. Uh, I, I one of my favorite uh, authors is a fellow named Elliot Krauss, and he wrote a book called Death of the Guilds, and he put it this way. Uh, if the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers, and the professors lose their power over the delivery of healthcare, legal services, applied science, and knowledge itself, and they lose it to capitalism and the state, what will be the implications for all of us? So we're, we rely on our professions to provide trustworthy and competent service. And we expect no less from those who will be licensed to practice in the field of cyber system security. Ooh, that's, I uh, hope that puts it all together. That great perspective. Uh, yeah, it's uh, something really to think about. So are there specific qualifications for cybersecurity? Like there's trustworthiness not exactly certain how that is measured uh but um, yeah are there other uh, like you need to have a certain so, level of of you know engineering a specific set of courses what any of that let me uh just go, go off to a, a tangent here so in 2008 uh in the peo emerging disciplines task force uh uh the task force uh does a couple of, of of things. So the first thing we do in our phase one report is to, we there are two things that are critical. First, uh, we have to say, okay, what is the core body of knowledge? What do you need to know to practice in this new field? And we have to show that it is different than anything else that existed prior to that. And the second thing we have to do is say, okay, is there a significant public interest at stake. If uh, 
you need to show that in order to uh, to to justify a license. A license is is a very powerful instrument, and you you just don't go issuing uh, licenses willy nilly. So right from day one, we establish the technical side of what you need to know. And uh, so we refer to this as the CBOC, the core body of knowledge. And uh, I mentioned Conestoga College earlier. So they picked up on this CBOC that we created at uh, a PEO and made it uh, roll that into their four-year degree program. Uh, we also had some modernization as uh, we have been working with the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity. And so they have added the, the most recent pieces of knowledge. Uh, there are uh, uh, learned societies that are creating standards as we move along. Uh, so we are well connected uh, to those standards and what people are doing. And, and we try to make sure that the education systems that we create incorporate all of that uh, knowledge. So yes, there's a lot of technical know-how. <laughs> you can't just snap your finger and, and say, oh, I'm a structural engineer, I'm gonna go into cyber. Well, no, <laughs> you need to learn a lot more about it before you do that. Mm -hmm. So yes, it, yeah, okay. is the answer to uh, your question. And is there like a continuing education program as well for this? Well, uh, in in cyber, I'm afraid it, it has to be. Uh, these new uh, newer practices change so fast. Uh, there are constantly new standards being introduced, uh, new rules being introduced, uh, new regulations. So uh, you have to pretty much keep up uh, with what's going on. Uh, I suspect that those who are actually practicing in the field are forced to keep up. Uh, you either keep up or get out. That's basically what it comes down to. Okay. Well, you've certainly mentioned how there's a need, a real need for uh, people to take up this profession, for students to choose this as a career choice. But you generally, um, you're encouraging youth to also uh, sign this petition because the consequences are for their future. And uh, yeah, so do you want to elaborate more on that idea that youth and uh, can sign the petition? And you can be younger than 18, oh, yes. right? Uh, well, no, you can be of any age. Mm -hmm. uh, so the only qualification to sign an e-petition with the Canadian government uh, you have to any so any Canadian or resident of Canada uh, can sign as long as they have a unique email address and you can be of any age. So the reason for the unique email address is when you sign the petition, you give them uh, an email address. They send an email to that address and you have to respond confirming, yes, I, I am who I say I am, and therefore I confirm uh, that uh, I'm, I'm signing this petition. So it has to be a unique address. If it's uh, well, more than one person with the same address, well, you're not gonna get multiple uh, responses. So yes, uh, unlike our generation, Marge, <laughs> our youth will spend their entire lives under the threat of cyber attack. So I think they deserve 
uh, a right to say uh, what's going on and in, in, uh, how Canada should defend itself against cyber attacks. Yeah. We're... They they can be counted here. Yes, <laughs> and they, they should be counted. Okay. Are there other uh, countries regulating cybersecurity? The answer is yes, but not the same way. So Canada, uh, as I mentioned, is unique in its method of licensing professions. We use our self-governance uh, mechanism. Uh, however, uh, all countries have pretty much recognized that cyber uh, security uh, is a huge threat. As I talked about, the cyber war is real. Uh, so President Biden, for example, has issued several executive orders on uh, how the U.S. must uh, respond, uh, what they have to do. Uh, so lots of regulations. Uh, the uh, European Union has also uh, created standards uh, to guide their professionals on on what to do. So each country then has its own way of dealing and protecting their of their public from this accelerating pace of change, particularly with respect to cyber. Uh, if anything, Canada is in fact behind uh, other countries. So. Uh, Several other countries uh, have uh, more advanced uh, regulations than what we have in Canada. So we're we're playing a bit of a catch-up game. Uh, Bill C-26 is going to help to a degree, and certainly our if they implement our petition, we'll actually get <laughs> ahead of the game much more than uh, most other uh, countries. Okay, so let's keep our fingers crossed we move in the right direction. So uh, I've noted that you've got uh, you, uh, over 100 uh, signatures so far. You just launched it, this uh, petition, I believe, last yeah. week. Uh, your goal is to get 1,000. And I certainly am going to put the link to the petition uh, in the podcast notes. So mm -hmm. those who are compelled, please, uh, please, it doesn't, doesn't take you long to do it. Uh, any specific reason for 1,000? Is that sort of a seen as a minimum to get a federal attention? Um, yeah, the actual uh, clerk of petitions uh, requires 500. We, we want to obviously get a lot more than that to get the government's attention. Uh, the magic number of 500 means that uh, the uh, sponsor of the petition gets to read the, the petition uh, into the house. It gets recorded and it also mandates that the government must respond to the petition. Uh, they could simply say, well, we're not interested in doing it, but they have to give an answer. They have to give a recorded answer to, to what the petition is asking. You asked me if there are other things that I, I would like to add. Um, we, we, we have a growing number of public fig figures who have uh, supported us with emails. And one in particular is our own mayor, David West. And uh, and he said in his email the following, he said, thanks for this, Peter, exclamation mark. I will share this with our staff. I know we take this issue very seriously, and I am quite aware of the importance and potential ramifications of an attack. So many cities uh, in Ontario have been attacked uh, under ransomware. So the mayors are, are a little bit uptight on, on this whole thing. If I could just add a few more words, Marge, uh, cyber system security is our leading edge example of the risks associated with new applied science and, and engineering. 
Uh, AI is another one that has reached wide public exposure. Uh, chat GPT is talked about a lot. That's part of AI. It spread around the world in a matter of weeks. So there is no way governments can pass new legislation that fast. So we must rely on the competence and trustworthiness of professionals to exercise good judgment on the spot as issues arise. We can't wait. There's no time. So uh, on AI, by the way, we do have a provincial petition in preparation to go to the Ontario government. Uh, we have a separate uh, AIT working on this. Uh, they were also the ones that prepared our our Bill C-27 Part 3 proposal uh, on AI, which has passed second reading, by the way, and, and I am named uh, as a witness on that, uh, thanks to uh, Majid. Uh, thank you, Majid. <laughs> uh, so for now, though, uh, our big push is on this cyber petition. Uh, we need the government to pay attention and then do something. Hopefully, the people of Richmond Hill will hear this podcast and sign the petition. So thank you very much for your help, Arch. This is really appreciated. Okay. You are very welcome. And I think we're going to have to check back in with you, um, see how things go. And uh, also, I think I should have a conversation about AI uh, as well. So something that uh, <laughs> I have a lot of, a lot of sort of like, oh, we need to talk about this issue. I'm not certain where to go. But I believe we've had a, a good conversation and uh, I'm going to put your contact information as well as the link to the petition in the podcast notes. So I encourage everyone to uh, to do follow through. And uh, I really, I think it's important that we have an informed and engaged community and that, encourage, that includes on issues like this. So uh, thank you again, Peter, for all of your insight, uh, insights. You're I most do, welcome. Oh, no, it's it's great. Uh, I do end the podcasts, all podcasts, with asking the same question to all guests. Name one thing you really like about this community. My answer is the people. Okay. <laughs> I have found that the uh, people in Richmond Hill care for each other, and that is what you need to build a community. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Marge, for being part of that. <laughs> you are very welcome and i like your answer caring people what makes a good community so again thank you peter we will be in touch thank you for listening i would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community consider emailing me at marge m-a-r-j at margeandre.com I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected. <laughs>